you in the deepest part of, your, of yourself, which is your spirit. And when your spirit is strong, it gives strength to your soul. Now, what is hope? Hope implies to have a reasonable and a favorable expectation. It talks about something that is unseen, that is yet to be seen, something that is coming in the future. Oh, I hope to become so so and so tomorrow. I hope to do this tomorrow. It's unseen, but it's a reasonable, favorable confidence you have that this is going to happen. Amen. It can also mean a trust or a confidence you have. Amen. The Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. There's a glory that you have with God. Your life is supposed to glorify Jesus. But when you look at your life right now, you are far from glorifying Jesus. But there is a hope for you. Even people who are not Christians, they used to say, when there is life, there is hope. Right? There is a hope for you. I don't care where you have been or what you've done. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are heaven laden and are belabored. He said, I will give you rest. He said, come unto me. Just come to me. He said, draw near to me, I will draw nearer to you. Take a step towards me, I will take 20 steps towards you. Just come to Jesus. Amen. And I will, he will set you free. The hope you have is the Christ in you. Have you noticed? Pastor was excited yesterday when he was speaking with me, giving me sharing the same testimony that Pastor Carlos shared with us. He said, the man where you must pray, and we're going to pray before we leave this place tonight, that those five people are going to be saved. Amen. The difference between Pastor Kelly and those his friends, the difference is Christ. The difference is Christ. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Look at the guy between your shoulders. Look at yourself. And say to yourself, Emmanuel plus Christ lives a glorious life. But Emmanuel's, Emmanuel minus Christ, I don't even want to talk about it. God forbid. Amen. I was looking at some brothers when they were doing dramas. And um, it occurred to me that actually, though they were acting, but they were acting out their past lives. And I said to them, I said, I'm so glad I never knew you before you were saved. <laughs> because they would have been one of the meanest guys on, on twos. Amen. I'm so glad I don't know some of you before you got saved. Because even as a saved person, <laughs> we require grace to relate with you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So the Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. You have a hope. It is a Christ in you that gives you hope for glory. Now, what is glory? Glory comes from a Greek word that means that is called doxa. Doxa implies something of weight. Doxa implies an essence. Doxa implies quality that therefore brings honor to something. 
Amen. It also brings estimates or radiance to something. For instance, when you go to Walmart, you can get some wristwatches for $5. And you can also get some wristwatches for $1,000. Right? Now, some of the $5 wristwatches, they are made in such a way that they look like the $1,000 wristwatches. Is that okay? But somebody with a knowledge of quality will be able to distinguish that this wristwatch is glorious more than this one of $5. Amen. So when we talk about glory, glory is talking about the essence, the, the quality that something has and it can be radiated. Amen. It can also in this sense means quality of life. Let me give you an example. A cat is a living thing, right? A dog is a living thing, right? Monkeys and baboons are living creatures, right? Now, a man and a woman, they're also living creatures, right? You flowing with me? Do you know that the quality of life in a cat is different from the quality of life in human beings? How many people would like to become a chicken? If it's possible to transform you from being a man to become a chicken, how many people would be, like to become a chicken? Why? <laughs> because if you become a chicken, you will end up in Kentucky Fried Chicken Place. Or church's chicken. <laughs> One trying to bring up from that is this. All those animals I've named, they are living creatures. They have life in them. But what kind of life do they have? Do you want to have the kind of life a goat has? Or you want to have the kind of life that human being has? Are you flowing with me tonight? So when we are talking about quality of life, glory, we are talking of something higher. Amen. So the God kind of life is a glorious kind of life that is higher than the present kind of life we have. Amen. So when man fell from glory, he lost the kind of life that God asked for him. Now let's examine what is this glory? What kind of glory we had with God in the beginning? Let's go to the book of Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8. I believe David wrote these psalms. Probably one of the nights when he was watching the sheep of his father in the back of the, in the backside of a desert. And he began to look at the stars. He began to look at the moon. And it just became prophetic. And he said from verse 1, O Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemy, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Listen to verse 3. When I consider your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. He sat down there and he began to look at the stars. The other time that um, the space shuttle Discovery went to the to space, I was following it. I was following the, the progress. And it amazes me how big our universe is. It amazes me how God has set everything in place. Amen. If somebody looks at that and says there is no God, that person is, is nuts. That person is crazy. Amen. Because those things cannot just be on there. There must be a creator behind it. Because it shows wisdom. It shows intelligence. Are you flying with me tonight? The guy began to look. He looked at the moon, the stars, the heavens. Let me tell you, let me give you an idea how big God is. Right now, we are told that we are in the Milky Way galaxy. Don't bother if you don't know what that means. <laughs> in the Milky Way galaxy, we have the sun and about nine or ten planets. And all the planets are revolving around the, the sun. And it is said that in the Milky Way galaxies, there are over billions of stars. And it has been shown that each of those stars in themselves are bigger than the earth. Each of the stars you see in the sky, they are bigger than the earth. But they are so far away from us. That's the reason why you see them as tiny, tiny little spots in the sky. But those things you see that look so tiny, right? They are bigger than the earth. They appear so small because they are far from us. Now, it has also been suggested that there are over a billion galaxies in the universe. Can you imagine our galaxy as a sun and all the planets and all billion stars? And they are saying that there are about a thousand other galaxies. Now, imagine how big God is. Imagine how big God is. So that guy sat down and he began to imagine the heavens, imagine the stars. And he said in verse 4, Now, God, what is man that you are mindful of him? You created the sun, the stars, the moon. They are so big. There are billion galaxies, billion stars. Then what is so special about man that you are mindful of him? What does that mean, to be mindful of something? To be mindful of something means your mind is full of that thing. Remember when you first fell in love? You are mindful of that lady or that man. 24-7 you are thinking about that person. That is how God is mindful of you. That means God is always thinking about you. God is always thinking of how to bless you. When you miss it, God is looking at how to rearrange things so that you can get back on course. Amen. He is always thinking about you. Before you fall, he knows. So that when you fell, he has another way. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verse 10 or thereabout, he said, There is no temptation that has befallen man that is not common to man. He says, But God, with every temptation, has made a way of escape. 
What does that mean? That means when you fell, when you fall into any situation, what you should first of all find out is to fellowship with the Holy Ghost and ask him, Lord, now that I, I am in this situation, what is the way of escape? And it will open your eyes and you see the way of escape. You flowing with me. So that guy was saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What exactly? Why, why, am I, why, are you, why are you running after me? Have you ever wondered? God, why are you running after me? Why are you interested in me? What's so special about me? What's so special about man that you are mindful of him? He said, not that. Not only that. And the son of man that you visit him. That word visit in Hebrews means to be attentive. What does that mean? It also means to incline to hear. That means when you have a child, maybe a three-year-old child, and you want to say, Daddy, instead of you standing and hearing what she's saying, you bend down. Say, I want to hear what you're saying. I don't want to miss out on anything you're saying. Say, what is me that when I speak, you're attentive? Can you imagine how God would be so busy taking care of his whole universe? Can you imagine how busy he is? There are over 7 billion people on the earth, and you an individual, you speak, and God hears. He listens. He pays attention to you. He gives you special attention. You're flowing with me. So the psalmist was saying, what is me that you visit me, that you are attentive to me? Then he now wondered in verse 5. For you have made man to be a little lower than the angels. What does that mean? You see, that word angel was translated by the people who are translating from Hebrews. The word angel actually is Elohim. Elohim means God the creator. The people who were translating Hebrew to English, when they got to that place, and they saw that God has made man to be a little bit lower than God, they said, no, it cannot be true. So they used the word, instead of using putting God there, they put angel. But the real meaning means when God created you, he made you to be a little bit lower than himself. Now, let me explain to you. Let's assume we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost at this level. When he created man, he made man to be a little bit lower than himself. Above archangels. Above angels. Above Satan. Above demons. Above hell. That's the reason why the Bible says that know ye not that you are going to judge angels. Will you agree with me that the higher we judge the lower? He made you to be just a little bit lower than himself. Then he said in the next part of that verse, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. God crowned you and I with glory and honor. God crowned you with glory and honor. You know, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, that, um, chapter 2, that Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were naked, and they were not ashamed. Do you know why? Let me ask you a question. You see, when you see a dog, you have a dog in your house. Will you say that that dog is naked? You see, I've seen some... I don't know, I can't remember, what, what, what do they call them? Uh, 
when people will dress horses and they will be on a parade, they will dress horses, they will put shoes, everything. Why do they put clothes on those horses? Is it because the horses are naked? You have a cat at home. Is your cat naked? Will you say it's naked? <laughs> Let me paint your imagination. The Bible says that when God created man, he crowned man with glory and honor. Can I put it to you that the glory of God was so much radiating from man that he needed no clothes? Just like when you look at a dog and you don't think that the dog is naked. I believe that the glory of God enveloped man so much that it had no need for clothes. Are you playing with me? The glory of God was so much heavy, thick around you, you had no need for clothes. But when the glory lifted, then he said, I'm naked and I'm ashamed. Why was he not ashamed previously? Because he was not really naked. Because the glory of God covered him. The Bible says that God crowned man with glory and honor. And that kind of glory gave you power. Now, we found that if, uh, if you go into the forest where we have lions, hyenas, and tigers, it can eat up a man, right? But in those days, it was Adam that named all the animals. And they did not attack him. Do you know why? Because he was in his glorious state. Amen? In his glorious state, he was in charge. He has dominion. He's in control of everything. When he tells the lion to sit down, just like you instruct your dog and, he, and it obeys you, so the lion obeys. Why? Because he was in a glorious state. You flowing with me? Everything, he was in charge of everything. But when he sinned against God, he lost the glory. That's the reason why the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that for all men have sinned and have fallen short. That means you have fallen below the glory of God. The glory was God. It wasn't man's glory. It was the glory of God. But God covered man with his glory. But when man fell, remember, he created us to be a little bit lower than, the, than himself. So when you fell... The further away you are from the glory, the less of the glory radiates in your life. You flame with me? The further you walk away from a light bulb, the further into darkness you walk into. You flame with me? So, the Bible says that all I've seen, I'm falling short of the glory. But now, let's look, look at this. Man was made a little bit lower than God. He fell. Below archangels, fell below angels, fell below Satan. That's why Satan had dominion over man. Fell below demons. That's why demons can possess men. And he was on his way to hell. And God sent Jesus from this level. Amen. God sent Jesus from this level. 
with his glory, undiluted. He was fully God and fully man. He wasn't 50% God, 50% man. It was 100% God, 100% man. For a moment, he came below archangels in form of man. He came below angels. He came below Satan but was not subject to Satan because he was God. He came below demons but was not subject to demons because he was God. And he swallowed man. Because he swallowed man, he swallowed sin. And God has already judged sin. So he went to hell with man inside of him. Amen. To suffer the consequences of sin. And on the third day, see on the third day, God raised him from the dead in full glory. Man still in him. And he came up above demons. Man still inside of him. He came up above Satan. Man still inside of him. He came up above angels. Man still inside of him. He came up above archangels. Man still inside of him. And he came up and he sat on the right hand side of God. The Bible says, the Bible says, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, before we go to chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 1, around verse 19, it said the same power that is at work in us right now was the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. And when God raised him from the dead, God raised him above principalities, powers, might, and dominion, and is now seated on the right hand side of God. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, that we are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he has restored you and high back to the level of glory that we had with God. And I can even say, I dare to say, that even the level of glory we are operating in right now is even higher than the one that Adam was operating in. Because Adam was a little bit lower than God, but now your life is hidden in Christ in God. Seated on the right-hand side of majesty in glory. Amen. But technically speaking, you are back in glory. But in reality, you are operating below your glory level. Let me say that again. Technically speaking, we have been restored back to glory. Because we are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Far above principalities, power, might, and dominion. That's the reason why we can stand there and we can bind the principalities and powers over Kansas City. And they will obey us. Why? Because technically speaking, we are above them. Flowing with me. But in reality, you are not yet there. So the Bible says in Colossians 1.27, that it is when Christ is given birth to in your heart, in your spirit, it is the Christ inside of you that it is the Christ inside of you that gives you the hope to attaining to the glory that have been paid for in Christ Jesus. Are you flowing with me tonight? It is the Christ that is exploding on your inside that will change your real state, your real state to the technical state you are supposed to be in. Technically speaking, right now as you are seated, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's your status. But when you look at your personal life, your life does not reflect somebody who is sitting by the right-hand side of God. You're flowing with me. 
But when Christ is released on your inside, it begins to progressively. The Bible says, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we all with unveiled faces, as we begin to behold the glory of the Lord, we are changed, we are transformed from one level of glory to the other. The more of Christ, let me say this. Christ is in you. But many of us, we have caged that Christ. That Christ is in, is in a prison inside of us. We are not allowing Christ in us to manifest. You flame with me. Therefore, we are not seeing much of reflection of Christ in you. Amen. But when you allow the Christ in you to be released, the glorious life of Christ will begin to radiate from your life. Now, listen. When you allow glory to radiate from your life, men will drive over two hours to come and see you preach. Just like five people are driving two hours to go listen to somebody. They used to be at the same real level in the, re the reality of their life. They are strong on cocaine. They are messed up. But one of them found Christ. Or let me say Christ found him. Amen. And the life of Christ began to transform him from one level of glory to the other. He's now at a glorious state that when his other friends heard about it, they say, I, I don't believe this. You mean that guy that we used to put needle in our, home, in, in our hands together, we need to share needles. You mean he's now a preacher. That is the glory. Now let's go see. Let's go see that glory. Let's go see that glory. God wants to make a show of you. God wants to make a show of your life. God wants to make a show of your life. You see, <laughs> you know, when you have a beautiful daughter, you want to show people that my daughter is beautiful. If you as a man think like that, how much God? That's the reason why God will even boast about a Job before Satan. Say, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Do you know why God did that? Want to show off Job. Because I have glorified the life of Job. Can God show you up? Look at your life right now. Do you think that God can show you off? Look at your life. Do you think the kind of life that you live in, the quality of life that is radiating, the quality of Christ radiating from your being, can God show you off? Can God say, have you considered my daughter or my son? Can you, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Are you sure if we follow you, we will go to heaven? Am I flowing in the house tonight? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So technically speaking, you're in a glorious state. Let me help you understanding again what Jesus has done for you. You know that um, Olympics coming up in 2014, there are some athletes, they started practicing right now. They started training for it right now. Now can you imagine somebody running, competing in the 100 meters race and in 2014, he won gold. Right? But it was true his hard work. Right? 
He labored many years to win the gold. Now, can you imagine, after winning the gold, he now gave you the gold and he said, I dedicate it to you. That means about 14 years of labor, of preparation, he is dedicating to you. Listen, this is what Jesus did for you. Life is a race. Hebrews 12, 2. Say, looking unto, unto Jesus. No, verse 1 says, Now that we are encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses, let us set aside every weight and sin that easily beset us, and let us run with patient endurance the race that has been appointed to us. Life is a race. But now, men compete in the Olympics, and not until they complete the race, they don't get the gold. But Jesus is not waiting for you to complete the race. He gave you the gold before you start. Before you start at all, he gave you the gold. He said, you have won. He said, now, I'm taking you to the starting line. Now start running. But no matter how you run, if you run according to what he has told you to run, you are getting, you are, the gold is yours. You didn't get it. If not, you should be shouting right now. I said, before you start running, he gave you the gold. You have won the gold medal. Then he now took you to the starting line. Now start running. No matter how you run, you have the gold. But he said, run. He said, run. You have the gold. Amen. It is the Christ in you that gives you the hope that you are going to attain back to the glory that you have in God in the beginning. Now, let me begin to speed up right now. How is this glory revealing you? Say, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The number one way that gold, that the glory is revealing you, is through suffering. Say, suffering. Suffering and tribulations. Suffering, in this context, is not a curse word. And suffering that I'm talking about is not suffering from sicknesses and diseases. This is a suffering. I have my plans. I have my ambition. I want to be a medical doctor. I want to be a physician. And as I was about starting medical school, God called me into full-time ministry. And all my dreams, my personal dreams, my personal goal, I submitted it to go into full-time ministry. That is suffering. You have your own plans. And God bumped in on you and tell you to change plans. That is suffering. You were persecuted because you are a Christian. That is suffering. Amen. You see, when you allow yourself to go through suffering and you submit yourself under the mighty hands of God, the Christ in you will be revealed. Joseph was a man that went through suffering. He was framed up. He did not react in the flesh. He was given an opportunity. Let me tell you, he had a dream that he was going to be somebody important. Don't you think by sleeping with Potiphar's wife would have been a shortcut? <laughs> but he didn't see it that way. Said, no, I will not sin against God. 
That is suffering. And for that, he went to prison for two years. But by the time, what God was actually doing in his life was God was processing his character. Let me tell you, God is preparing you for what, for what he has prepared for you. Let me say that again. God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Do you know why he has to prepare you? If he makes you to get in contact with what he has prepared for you and prepared, you will destroy that thing. Or that thing will destroy you. Can you imagine some of you here, if God should give you $50,000, we won't see you tomorrow. So God will take you through a process whereby you will be able to handle a million dollars before giving it to you. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had not gone through tribulation, the fourth man would not have shown up. Amen. If Daniel had not gone through into the lion's den, it would not have given God the opportunity to shut out the lions. Daniel radiated a glory that Adam radiated in the garden, whereby lions became like pets. So for a moment, while he was in that state, he was, he was radiating the glory that God crowned man in the beginning. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire, and the fire had no power over them, they were radiating the glory that, that they had in God because fire has no dominion over man. Amen. So when you go through the fire, the fire is supposed to burn off every chaff in your life. It's not supposed to destroy you. Amen. You're supposed to have the burning bush experience whereby you're on fire for God but you are not consumed. The only thing that is consumed is your bad attitudes and your sins and your unrighteousness. Amen. The Bible says when your faith is tried as in fire, let it come forth brighter than gold. Amen. When you allow yourself to go through suffering and affliction that God himself engineered for you many times, you come out with Christ radiating his glory through you. Another way that the glory can come out through you is obedience. Let me say this. Obedience is the fastest way to promotion in the kingdom. Obedience. When God says, do this, and you don't delay. My pastor used to say, delayed obedience is the same thing as disobedience. When God says, do this, you do it. You don't question him. The Bible says, when God told Abraham, go offer your son Isaac. The Bible says, when he woke up, he didn't discuss the matter with Sarah. He just took off. Obedience. We bring Christ to be revealed on your inside. Another way to reveal Christ on your inside is through the giftedness that God has deposited in your life and working in your calling. Amen. Now, five people are driving two hours to go hear pastor preach. He's operating in his calling. God has called him to be a pastor. So the glory of Christ is radiating through him. Those guys could not believe that this same man that they were together some 17, 16, 18 years ago is now a preacher. Amen. Because he's operating in the area of his calling, the glory of Christ is being radiated. When you're operating in the area of your giftedness and your calling, the glory of Christ is being radiated, will be radiated through you. Amen. Another way for glory to be released through you is when you submit yourself to God, his word, and to God-ordained authority. The place to start is the word of God. When the word of God says this, 
and you've been doing contrary, submit. Glory will come out of you. You'll be transformed from one level of glory to the other. Amen. As this message is going out right now, I'm saying something, but the Holy Ghost is challenging you, convicting you. When you obey that prompting, the glory of Christ is being revealed through you because it will transform you from your bad attitude state to another level of attitude that is good. Are you flame with me? You will move from one level of glory to the other. And when you obey the authority that God has brought into your life, Christ is released in your life. The anointed one becomes operational in your life. The anointed one releases some anointings into your life. Amen. Let me tell you, a man in the military that is disobedient to authority will not go far in the military. You bear me witness? A man that is always disobeying authority will not go far in the, in the military. In the kingdom of God, you can't go too far disobedient to authority. Because the Bible says that all authority is ordained by God. Amen. Hallelujah. Another thing that can release the glory of Christ in your life is when you believe his precious promises and you walk by faith. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. The Bible didn't say that it is difficult to please God. It said it is impossible. Without faith, you cannot please God. And when you look at the book of Hebrews, the whole of Hebrews is talking about people who radiated the glory of Christ through faith. When you lay hold on the precious promises of God and you act in faith, Christ will be releasing you. His glory will be radiated in, through your life. Another way to radiate the glory of God is prayer and spiritual warfare. Prayer and spiritual warfare. Amen. Prayer and spiritual warfare. The Bible talks about Elijah. The Bible says that he's a man of similar passion to us. And he prayed earnestly that it will not rain. And for three and a half years it didn't rain. And he prayed again and it rained. The Bible says in that place that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available, which is tremendous in his walking. Amen. When you pray, Christ manifests. When you pray, the glory of Christ is manifest. When you pray over a situation and, and that situation, what you ask for is done by God, then Christ has manifested in that situation. Amen. Another way to radiate the glory of Christ is to go into praise and worship. Wasn't it glorious this evening when we enter into praise? The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says that praise the Lord and let the earth yield its increase. There are times that you have prayed on manners of prayer and nothing is changing. Can you change into praise and worship? When Silas and Paul worshipped God in the prison, the Bible says that the glory of God descended and there was an earthquake. Amen. That was an earthquake, and they were released from that prison. Why? Because they praise. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Another way by which you can enter into glory, very important, character development. Character development. No character, no glory. No car how much of you reflect Christ? We used to ask this question back home. How much of your reflex actions reflect Christ? You know, sometimes you can be a very good Christian when everything is okay. But when you are driving and somebody just drives to, to cut you out, are you, do you find yourself releasing some curse, curse words? That's a reflex. 
That's a reflex. How much of your reflex actions reflect Christ? Amen. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, it says that, let me read it, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those that are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn. You see, the plan of God is that you be conformed to the image of Christ. When we see you, we should see Jesus. When you speak, we should hear Jesus. Amen. Your actions should reflect Jesus. Are you flowing with me tonight? Looking on to Jesus. Jesus should be your standard, not man. The Bible says that moreover, in verse 30, whom he predestined, there this he called, and whom he called, this he justified. And whom he justified, this he glorified. How many people want to be glorified by God tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We are glorified because we are justified because we are called by God. And as I begin to close right now, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, said, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Like I said, you don't need to run for the gold because you have the gold. Is that okay? But run for the master. Run for the master. Set all the weights aside. What are weights? Weights are legitimate issues of your life that are, they are not necessarily seen, but they hinder you from pursuing the purpose of God for your life. For instance, it is good to walk. But when you walk on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, it becomes a weight. Because the devil is going to use that walk to take you away from hearing the words of God. Are you flowing with me tonight? And we all know what sins are. Anything that falls short from the standards of God. He said, lay them aside and run with endurance. Life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Do you believe that? Life is not a sprint, but a marathon. There are many people that they are with us in this room or in this local assembly five years ago, but they are no more running because they lack endurance. Because they have put off Christ instead of putting on Christ. Amen. They lack endurance. When you run a marathon, what you need is endurance. What you need is stamina. It's a lay aside. Then verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him and the other cross. What are you seeing? Is there any joy set before you? Do you have any vision at all? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Can, can we rise on our feet tonight? Where there is no vision, the people perish. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Remember, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, if it were possible, let this cup, cup pass over me. But when God showed him the humanity that would be set free, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. 
Are you willing to suffer to reveal, to reveal Christ in you? The Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Like I said last Sunday, the Christ in us is like a capsule. The capsule is just a covering, but it's not the important ingredient. The important ingredient is inside the capsule. And until the capsule is swallowed, the ingredient cannot be released. Until you receive Christ into your life, it cannot begin to live his life through you. The Bible says in the book of Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live. But the life I live right now, I live by the power of the Son of God who died for me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. With every head bowed tonight, as you are brooding over this message tonight, is there anybody here in the house? We have seen that it is Christ in us that makes a difference. If there is no Christ in you, forget it, there is no glory. There is no way you can radiate the glory of God.